Mythos Busters, investigating the mystery, monsters, and madness of Arkham Horror, the card game. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Miskatonic AV Club. I'm Sean, and with me still is Ian. I'm still Ian. And we are tonight going to be... Tonight? Is it tonight? I don't know. It might be today. I feel like it's, it might be this afternoon. Depending on where you're at, I suppose. But either way, we are going to review the Dunwich Legacy Seeker cards. Yeah, we're going to finish this sucker out. It's just mythos packs and yachts from here to the here to the top. <laughs> yep, and don't forget about Kukri. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's get it rolling here. Yeah, you'll see we are going to be a little we're going to be a little cheeky and sneak in Kukri here as our our one. Lone neutral card from the <laughs> Dunwich Legacy box. Um, yeah, just because we're not doing, we're not giving it. The Kukri show just sounds, it actually sounds pretty cool. Now, <laughs> yeah. now that I say it out loud. Yeah, I don't know if we live up to the expectation of its name. <laughs> All right, well, Ian, you want to get us started with our speaker, Gator? Sure. So this is Rex Murphy. He's the reporter. There's three will, four intellect, two combat, and three agility, the reporter trait. Reaction after you succeed at a skill test by two or more while investigating, discover one clue at your location. Elder sign effect plus two. You may instead choose to automatically fail the skill test to draw three cards. He has six health and nine sanity. His deck building is 30. Uh, he can include all Seeker cards, all Neutral cards, and up to five level zero cards from any other class. Same as the other uh, Dunwich Investigators. He has his signature card, Search for the Truth. His signature weakness, Rex's Curse. Tell us about them. Sure. So Search for the Truth is an event. Costs one, uh, two intellect icons, and one wild insight trait. You can draw X cards where X is the number of clues on Rex Murphy to a maximum of five. And his weakness is called Rex's Curse as the curse trait. Put Rex's Curse into play in your threat area. Forced when you would succeed at a skill test, return the revealed chaos token to the bag and reveal a new chaos token. If this effect causes you to fail the test, shuffle Rex's Curse into your deck. Limit once per test. Okay. Before we actually start talking about Rex rex i have to i have to comment on the art for rex's curse because it's <laughs> amazing on so many levels a it's just it's good art b it's supposed to represent like this pervasive oppressive series of of bad luck and just this curse that follows rex and defines his life and the art is just oh there's a fly in my coffee <laughs> yep which I feel like people have had flies in their coffee and have come back from it all right. <laughs> Having never been in that camp myself, I can't confirm. But I feel like there are worse things to try to, to, try to rebound from. Yeah, not the worst. It, it does look a little sketchy itself, making his face all distorted. So maybe there's more to it than the fly. I'm not sure. <laughs> I do think there's, it's funny that there's 
lengthy discussion at one point about whether this card was meant to represent Rex as an alcoholic. <laughs> that actually turned into a big discussion. <laughs> Thus proving once again that any <laughs> small bit of detail could turn into a huge discussion on the internet. What? Nerds like to analyze things into oblivion? <laughs> oh. Hey, let's talk about this piece of cardboard in depth for like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that never happens. No, I mean, we should do that right now. Oh, Rex. Okay. <laughs> Rex himself. So, so many things to say. But ultimately, it just gets down to the fact that Rex is a goddamned sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> that he is. That he, if anyone deserves that title, it's him. I think we need an all art that replaces the reporter with that subtitle instead. <laughs> So I I know I personally was pretty when he, when he was spoiled, I was still pretty down on how often two or more actually happens in a game. On standard, which is what most of my play has has been in, it's not insurmountable. In fact, if you build for it, it happens pretty often. Yeah, and, I, fi- I find it happens more on standard, like you said. Mm-hmm. And when say that's happening, and yeah, I would say probably maybe like. 50 plus percent of of his investigate tests that's mm-hmm. a lot of clues that's a lot a lot of clues in in very few actions that you can be grabbing it is he is just the cluever of all clues the one who can gather clues the most quickly just the action compression of like every time that happens you're basically saving an action uh, i said in our survivor video about ashcan for the Dunwich Legacy, that he was kind of the go-to for solo players who want kind of uh, a little bit of an easier time. And I would argue Rex is that for multiplayer. He's just ridiculously good at what he does. And what he does ain't pretty. (laughs) Um, But also necessary. Turns out there's a lot of value in just being faster than the encounter deck. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at the heart of it, that's what this game is, right? You're trying to get through the act and do what you need to do for the agenda and can get off and the encounter cards can take you down. So he just lets you do that. And he frees up the other investigators to do whatever whatever else needs to be done. And that have you ever like I've played Rex. I don't want to say like a lot, a lot. I've probably played him as much as I've played Daisy, which is two, three campaigns a piece. I still have never been able to actually play Search for the Truth. <laughs> it's it's, not, it's the meta luck of when I play Rex that I never find it when I have clues. And actually, I just tend to never find it. But the, the couple times that I have, I've just not been in a good position to actually play it. But drawing yep, up to I, five cards? I have yet to play it thing. either. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it should be good because like we said, he usually... I mean, tends to have a ton of clues on him all the time um, but like you said every time i've drawn it he has on it <laughs> on him rather so i mean but worst case scenario this is basically combined with his ability this is basically a perception yeah yeah so i mean that's that's a lot of times what i end up using it enables ability which is good enough and then if you, in theory, get to do it, I mean, even if it's not the maximum of five, if you're paying one to draw, like, three or four cards, which is totally doable, that's 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 very good. Yeah. But, I mean, like, that's the thing, is, is 
Rex is just so good by himself and what the Seekers have available to them already that, you know, this is just one of those signatures where, like, yeah, I'm fine when I see it, but it's not like he needs it to play. Yeah. This isn't like Duke, where it defines the investigator. Yeah. He honestly could not have a signature card, and he'd be perfectly fine. <laughs> he would just keep doing what he's doing anyway. If he, if he, if it, like, he had Milan, Pathfinder, and Perception, and every other card in his deck was just icons and had blank text, he would probably still be playable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. In multiplayer. Yeah, um, in multiplayer. Okay, so... I mean, what else is there to say? He's really good. I think among the investigators that we have, he's probably the one that screams for you to focus on a specific strategy um, more than any others. Just get clues, get clues, get clues. Yep, yep. You mentioned some of the key cards for him, and it's definitely one of those, because he's, in, I mean, that's true for Seekers and a lot of investigators anyway, but especially for him, it's like he's going to be doing that anyway. The plus one lets him, gives him a better chance of turning on his ability, and then you could use the resources to pay for, you know, talent boosting or whatever he needs. That's the thing is he can he can run you know a, a pretty minimal setup. He doesn't need a ton to get working. So what do you generally? Okay, so I think one of the biggest things that seekers just as a class at this uh, struggle with is enemy management. Mm-hmm. So if you're building a rex deck, what do you put in for enemy management? Because I feel like all the clue acquisition stuff just kind of throws itself in. But aside from of course, uh, mind over matter, and. We haven't reviewed it yet, but obviously we have it in the card pool. I've got a plan as a huge... Do you use mm-hmm. any of his splash to, to account for enemies in any way? Um, in a way, kind of indirectly, I guess. Uh, I do have one copy of Think on Your Feet uh, from Rogue, which lets him kind of dodge out of the way of an enemy. So that's kind of an indirect way to avoid it. Um, and then I also throw in wards of protection because that's just good in general uh but but the thing is sanity to soak up that horror too yeah the the thing is treacheries are sometimes a way that it's easy to overlook the ways in which they can make enemies a problem for you you know treacheries that move enemies onto you or spawn an enemy or you know do those kind of things um and ward of protection lets you cancel that out and it's just generally useful so I, I kind of give that to him. Um, he also has the discs once you upgrade, which can help as well. And to that end, you know, talking about his splash, and I'm just going to be, I'm going to keep harping on this card probably for the life of the game. So good. Scavenging is a great build direction to take Rex in because you mm-hmm. can recur magnifying glasses, you can recur flashlights, you can recur discs of insomnus. <laughs> um,. And then you can recur baseball bats, fire axes, whatever. Whatever I think fire axe is another good pick for him, like we were talking about in the Survivor review, where that's that's a weapon where it just totally makes him got some resources to spend. It makes him a completely capable combatant at one cost. Oh, yep, yeah, yeah. Fire axe. Um, yeah, definitely Firex is a good splash. And I, I guess you could go a kind of a Vady type Rex build as a way, like potentially if you um, put in Peter to get like extra agility or something. Or um, 
I don't know, maybe even some stray cats and try to do something like that to to evade enemies. Uh, that would be another approach to take in, as opposed to just trying to have Rex fight them, I guess. Yep. So, Rex. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the high bar for clue acquisition in the game at this point, I feel. Yep. What about his weakness? Because I feel like it's one of the more interesting weaknesses in the game. Agree. And and <laughs> a pain in the ass it is Definitely. because it'll sit there for at least in my experience it'll sit there for like three or four turns and you'll you'll do tests and succeed both pulls yeah which is a testament to rex that he often succeeds <laughs> yes. both pulls i mean that's essentially what this is i think we covered it on the podcast proster proper but when rex's curse is out on the board rex now is reverse wendy yeah whereas wendy Makes the uh, makes the chaos bag prove it a second time and be like, no, make me fail again. Rex's curse is like, no, win again. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this will sit there for like three or four turns and not do anything, and then all of a sudden, when it matters, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There There's comes time the tentacle token. I'm tempted to just like throw a test at something that's not that important to try to get this out of the way because i just inevitably know it's gonna hit you when you need it the most like all of a sudden rex needs to fight and then it hits you or you do the thing that i do all the time where i forget that it's out and i'll be three actions on and i'm like oh i needed to pull extra tokens for those tests yeah oh, that would have made <laughs> me fail that would have damn it <laughs> rex gone back it up back it up but yeah. I think it's interesting. It's it it hurts you, and and God, I actually I I was halfway into the sentence. I'm not sure if I believe it myself. Do you think this hurts you more if you find it early game or late game? Hmm. I think theory is that this hurts you more if you find it late game, because then your deck is smaller, and when it finally hits you and makes you fail a test, it's going to get shuffled back into a deck, and you are more likely to see it repeated. Versus. If you find it early game, yeah, sure, you're shuffling it in after it hits you. But if you've got a 20-plus card deck still left, you might not see it again the rest of the game. And and generally, the more important tests are going to tend to happen later in the game, uh, the, those, the more crucial like moments. So, yeah, I, I would say late game. I mean, that tends to be seems to be a common thread with a lot of these, but yeah. It depends. Um, the, the other thing I like about Rex is that he has an Elder Sign effect. Something that we said before, but it an Elder Sign effect. Yeah, <laughs> one that actually lets you do something besides get a big boost that you're probably going to succeed at anyway. <laughs> Looking at you, Agnes. <laughs> a lot of the core investigators, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, well, any... Any closing thoughts on Rex? Um, I think uh, talking a little bit about what I normally splash in Rex. I think Burglary is one you need to look at all the time. Mm -hmm. Burglary is a great resource engine with Rex because you can use the ability on Burglary to investigate at your location. If you succeed, you get the three resources. Which if you succeed by two, you get the three resources, and you get to trigger his ability and get a clue anyway. Yeah. He, he turns into a money man at a certain point. Yeah, so between that and his innate access to Milan Christopher, who he's going to want anyway for the static intellect boost, like, he can get so many, so many kind of stupid. 
Yeah, the funny thing is he uh, he he often ends up because I run a similar, you know, Milan and I have a copy of Burglary in there. He often ends up with more resources than I can spend because uh, in general, the seeker cards tend to not be that expensive compared to some of the other classes' cards. Um, oh, I'm Ian, and my investigators are rich and don't have to worry about <laughs> going upkeep phase to upkeep phase. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he, he can sink that into some of the talents, some of the talents we haven't reviewed yet, um, and which helps soak some of that money. It, it almost makes you think about including some very high-cost cards splashing from other classes but i haven't done that yet what no dynamite blast for rex yet <laughs> that's kind of the one i had in mind it would be kind of fun to have rex just roaming around and throwing around dynamite when he gets bored so rex play him he gets clues yep <laughs> okay so moving on from there we have our first ally or asset rather who also happens to be an ally uh, so level zero, two cost, laboratory assistant, has one intellect pip. Ally, Miskatonic, and science traded. <laughs> Picks up the ally slot, of course. Uh, your maximum hand size is increased by two while checking your hand size during the upkeep. So you can keep up to ten cards in your hand from the normal eight limit. And then reaction after laboratory assistant enters play, draw two cards. Got one health. So... I uh, I was actually pretty unimpressed with this one when it first came out. It's okay if you if you're kind of building that draw me lots of cards kind of seeker deck. I think she's better in Daisy right away than she is in Rex, at least mm -hmm. considering the card pool that was out when she released. Since then, though, we now sit up to undimensioned and or unseen and undim undimensioned and unseen rather, having been released for doing this review. And there's kind of a, a cool thread of having lots of cards in your hand as, as a Seeker. I've played a Daisy build of it. My current Rex build is kind of based on it. So being able to keep two extra cards and then play a bunch out or discard a bunch for skills next turn and still keep at the one card I'm going to reference here is in a future pack, Higher Education. Important to stay at a five card or more threshold in order to use that card. And I think that she specifically makes that a lot easier. Have you played with her much? Uh, I have not. <laughs> um, I, I think she... I, there's kind of two uh, kinds of allies in this game. There's, like, the big bomb uniques, your Milans, your Peter Sylvester's, and then there's this, like, low-tier, like, red shirts, non-unique, like, laboratory assistant and arcane initiate that just... They're meant to come into play and do something, potentially stay around for a while, but also ultimately expendable so I, I think the problem is a lot of times i just end up having milan and i'm really focusing on trying to get him out early um, and so i don't tend to look at laboratory assistant a lot but i do think i almost feel like her best days are ahead of her that mm -hmm. as we get more investigators potentially investigators that can use her um, that have access to seeker cards and that want to get a big hand uh that, or just need some kind of card draw. The, or or need, you know, any kind of emergency card draw, and then she can soak two horror, which isn't bad. You know, that could potentially save you. I think at the time she was released, Roland was probably her best investigator. Because, you know, Guardian is not flush with draw, so that's nice. And she can soak two horror, which is 
as always, Roland's uh, Achilles heel. Yeah. So I think that dilemma that you were talking about, though, Ian, where you kind of have the two flavors of allies, like that's why we're probably going to be doing an entire episode just to review Charisma. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the much promised Charisma episode. It's, it kind of takes all that away for a meager three experience. And then you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. You can play down your little transient allies, get their cool effect, pop some damage or horror on them. Whenever you find your big ally, pop them down, and you don't even really have to worry about managing that slot so much. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think she's cool. She's a nice option for card draw. And if you've got a build that cares about having lots of card in, in cards in its hand, then she's a great option to have. Yeah. I, I kind of wish Wendy had access to her because she likes getting her very big hand. Um, she also has other allies that I would pick over this, but yeah. it's, it's interesting to think about. Wendy has access to some pretty good allies. Yeah. You don't need <laughs> Now, this next card, I feel like there's no card that is more Arkham than this card. <laughs> and more LCG. difficult to review. Yes. <laughs> so, why don't you go ahead and read us the strange solution? Okay, this is the card that uh, got its very own article <laughs> preview devoted to it. This is Strange Solution, one cost asset, unidentified is the subtitle, uh, one wild icon, item and science traits, action, test intellect four. If you succeed, discard Strange Solution and draw two cards. Record in your campaign log that you have identified the solution. By all accounts, it should not even exist. Shouldn't exist yet. <laughs> So what you think? Uh, gonna, I mean, like I said, I think this is one of the most difficult cards we will ever review on this uh, in this Miskatonic EV Club series because we still, at the time of recording, have no idea what this does as far as what identifying the solution means. So obviously it does very little in and of itself. Cool, you draw two cards, but you've also spent an action to play this down and a resource. And the action to do the test, which might fail anyway. So, you know, the reward of drawing two cards, you could easily have gotten there with some other effect if that's what you're trying to do. So that's not why you're playing this card. No. You're playing this card to identify the solution. Now, there's been lots and lots of debate as to what identifying the solution will ultimately do. Some people think it might enable certain things to happen in campaigns as part of resolutions. Uh, if you've identified the solution, you'll have additional options, what what have you. I almost wonder, though, and this is another thing that's kind of been discussed out there, is whether or not the, the kind of subtitle here, the unidentified, if we're just going to get different kind of versions, I guess, of, of the solution that you can only include in your deck if your campaign log has that you've identified the solution. That was a wonky sentence. Did that make sense? <laughs> it did. That that could make sense. It could also be the ultimate troll move, and it's not in this campaign. It just or, does nothing. <laughs> or it's the po- it, it gains the poison subtitle version. <laughs> becomes a weakness. I don't think they would do that, but it, it would be very Arkham with them. Um, I mean, I've included it. Let, let me just put it this way: I've included it in my seeker deck so far, assuming that it will be positive and will be worth it. <laughs> yes. Um, and have you bothered good... to splash for it since it's level zero? Uh, no. Generally, those the, those five splash cards are so valuable that I I can't justify spending it on this. But uh, the good thing is someone like Rex uh, 
has usually is so good at what he's doing that he has extra actions to pull this off. And Daisy as well, you know, she has her ability, which lets her free ex- free up some action. So it, it's kind of one of those things that it's like I, th- I throw one up in and, and find a time to do it and have faith that it will, it will pay off. <laughs> faith in the GM. That's never disappointed <laughs> <Yeah>. anyone. <laughs> so what I what I also like about this card though is if you you know include it in your starting deck, get it out of the way. It, what, this is what I've done is I've included two of in basically my each seeker starting deck. Get it out of the way in the first or the second scenario, and then immediately those are the first swaps out when I upgrade cards. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, up to undimensioned and unseen. We have no clue what this does, so. It's like I think so much about this card is just the potential, right? Like it doesn't ultimately matter what it does. It's the mind game and the theory that comes from just looking at this card and going, "This is a card that actually <laughs> does nothing by itself," but I'm still going to put it in my deck. Yeah, uh, I, I do like that it has the wild icon, so that uh, there is if, that. If you if you can't find the time for it, that it at least is not just a dead card in your hand. It gives you <laughs> the most useful icon. Okay, that's all I got. Anything else on Strange Solution? Uh, no, it's going to be a, a fun day when we all find out what it does. <laughs> Watch the internets, yo. Yeah, and you see an explosion of discussion. <laughs> that might be because we have identified the unidentified. All right, so our next card is an event. It's level zero and zero cost. Shortcut. It has a willpower and agility pip. It has Insight and tactic traits. Fast. Play only during your turn. Choose an investigator at your location. Turns out you yourself are an investigator who's at your location. Mm-hmm. Move that investigator to a connecting location. So basically, you're discarding a card from your hand, a specific card from your hand, for a free move for you or anyone else. Mm-hmm. I have included this in a couple decks. There are moments where it's awesome. There are also moments where it just kind of sits in your hand. How do you feel about this one? Um, I'm kind of at the far end of the spectrum where it's one of my favorite cards. Um, It's so simple and and seems kind of innocuous, but a lot of times when I play it, it just it's just one action that you're saving, but it can make a big like a lot of times I feel like I'm always kind an action short on some big grand move I'm trying to pull off uh, whether that's like making an escape from an enemy or setting up some kind of move where I'm gonna get into uh, enemy's location and have enough actions to beat it up like there's just a lot of possibilities for it uh, that's why I've, it has become a splash in some of the uh, non-seeker Dunwich investigators for me I think just in general as a player, I tend to value movement ability a lot, and Shortcut gives me that. So, yeah, definitely one of my favorite cards. Um, one of the cool things about Shortcut 2 is that uh, because of the way it's phrased, that it's not giving you bold move action, is that it actually doesn't trigger attacks of opportunity against you. So you can, if you're engaged with an enemy, say, and for whatever reason you need to get to another another location, you can play shortcut with that enemy and it won't trigger an attack of opportunity. Now, because the enemy's engaged with you, it's not going to go away. It's still engaged with you. But there are definitely times when it's useful to trigger that shortcut and have 
that enemy follow you along to another location. So those are kind of the big reasons why I like Shortcut is, and e even sometimes I don't even know exactly, uh, I don't have a pressing need for it, but sometimes I'll have a Shortcut in hand and I'll just play it just to just to have an extra cool. action move and, and trust that it will pay off in the end that I saved an action earlier. I don't know. There's the opportunity. There's the opportunity cost of not having other cards included, but I don't know. And it's it's probably unfair because we're like way out of order and we're way behind on this. But how do you feel about this versus something like? Um, what's well, interesting you say that because it, I believe it was my Rex deck. I had shortcut, and then once I was able to access Pathfinder, then I cut shortcut and added Pathfinder. So, mm. <laughs> so the shortcut got cut. All right. Yeah. Well, that's telling. Yeah, so oh, I so. almost like Shortcut as a non-card that doesn't have access to Pathfinder. Sure. I I like it more in multiplayer as well, rather than solo, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because it's just one of those things where when you've got more... Because this, this has an open-ended target, more or less. Anyone at your mm -hmm. location. When you've got more targets, it gives you more options to potentially solve more issues if you're trying to get someone to the other end of the board so they can pull an enemy off of wendy who's flailing in the corner then that extra action or this this extra move might make all the difference and the and the fact that it's free is another and fast it doesn't cost you anything other than the card itself also true and fast and again a big thing that i'm always cognizant of when i play cards in this whether or not this trigger an attack of opportunity when i play it mm-hmm <laughs> Because so many games just, or so many cards just instantly become unplayable when you have an enemy. Like, there's no way <laughs> I am ever going to play this when I have an enemy engaged. But, shortcut, totally fine. Yep. Yeah, that's an important, other important thing to mention is because as that fast, it, it makes sure there's no attack of opportunity as well. All right. So then I suppose the last card for the Seeker set is going to be Seeking Enough Answers. <laughs> Level zero, one cost event, has an intellect and agility tip, has the insight trait, and investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering a clue at your location, discover a clue at a connecting location. Some people need to know the truth at any cost. Some truths, but like <laughs> So this one, I'm still not quite sure how to feel about this. I think Rex is pretty okay with it. Because you can, I think one of the biggest and best uses for this is to discover clues at a location that has some kind of weird requirement or potentially a super high shroud by camping out at a location that's way softer next to it and then pulling, you know, pulling this up. And there's only one clue. This is a card where I really liked it when it was first saw it because of those uses that you mentioned. Um, and I don't think it's a bad card. I I just find so far, at least in Rex, that I haven't used it that often. I, I think so far in the campaign, I've used it maybe once having two copies. Just because usually Rex is just like kind of a machine, like moving from location to cl location, gathering clues to the point that it hasn't been like a big issue. Because generally in most scenarios, you don't need to gather like every clue some like victory points <laughs> the sweet victory points you're going after or something and i feel like this matters more in solo than in multiplayer so where as you know shortcut mm -hmm. to me sticks out as a better multiplayer card than it does in solo this one goes the opposite direction so say you've got 
Horn Library, where you're sitting next to it at the Humanities Building, I think is connected, if I'm remembering correctly. For extra uh, I believe so, yeah. Well, Orn Library requires you to spend an extra action to investigate there. Well, using Seeking Answers might be a nice way to get around that extra action uh, requirement. But if Orn Library has four clues on it because of uh, you know, the number of investigators on the board, then this doesn't do a whole lot to have a one-shot at getting one clue off of it by sneaking around you know, the, the Shroud or that requirement, because you're still going to have to go address it for all the other ones. Right. So, you know, important to note that Rex's ability doesn't quite work because he discovers a clue at his location. So it is nice if there is a clue at location, you can kind of double up. But if mm-hmm. you're just trying to grab from another location, then you basically have that hard limit of one. Yep. So I don't know. This one's cool. And I'm sure there are there. It's, it's one of those that's kind of situationally situationally awesome. Uh, but I don't know that I'd ever go more than one of, and I think for the most time I leave it out entirely. Yeah, I guess the other issue is in order to discover a clue at that location, it needs to have been revealed already. And if it's been revealed already, that means I've probably been there and gotten the clues there if right. I'm a cluever. Right. Um, so maybe in multiplayer, someone like scouts ahead and reveals it so that you can do this. But then if they do that, maybe you have a bodyguard there anyway. I don't know. I, I see the uses for this, but it's not as like broadly useful as I originally thought. Yeah. Agree. All right. Well, you may have noticed the Kukri sneaking its <laughs> way into this review. Um, so, Ian, why don't you tell us what, what the Kukri's got going on? Sure. So the Kukri is neutral. It's a two-cost asset with a combat icon. Item, weapon, and melee traits. Action fight, you get plus one for the plus one combat for this attack. If you succeed, you may spend one additional action to deal plus one damage for this attack, and it takes up a hand slot. False. It's the card. Yeah, it is a card. <laughs> it is a weapon. Do you like it better or or less well less well? More or less. Do you like it more or less? Wow, words. Uh qualifiers are hard today. Uh, do you like it more or less than knife? I think that's its most direct comparison, right? Like, this is a card that yeah. anyone can get. It's, it's there for combat for probably someone who doesn't have access to a better weapon of its kind. Because I'm, I'm going to pay one more to put down a machete in anyone who can have it. It's... But if you don't have access to machete. Yeah. So this is, like, knife. It's obviously probably going to be more for investigators that don't have those top-tier weapons act available to them. I guess the advantage of the knife is you you take one action if you're taking the discard on the knife. You take one action, get the plus two combat, and potentially deal two damage. Whereas with the Kukri, you'd get plus one, and you have to spend two actions to do the same thing. Obviously, you get to keep it, too. So how do you feel about this one in someone like Gids? who's decent for combat and has the ability probably better than anyone to get access to extra actions to spend on stuff like that. I think it's actually a potentially good option for skids. Um, Well, I'll downgrade that from good to moderate. (laughs) (laughs) The problem for skids is he has machete and uh, 45 access, which are probably going to be his weapons. The, the, the one thing I like about Kukri is that it's, it's cheap 
to cost, which in Skid, sometimes you want to keep things cheap, so you leave resources for his ability. So maybe it's like you're, if you're wanting to run five weapons, maybe this is like your fifth. Like one copy of Kukri is your fifth weapon in a Skid's deck, for example. I could see that. I want an investigator who gets a bonus to melee weapons specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who's just an expert at hand-to-hand combat. That'll be... Is, is, is weapons hand-to-hand combat or is that specifically unarmed combat i guess it's blade to blade combat i don't know <laughs> edged weapon combat yeah i don't like guns <laughs> the more elegant weapon for civilized um, I, age i guess the thing about kukri is it lets you i i guess theoretically the more actions you take the more tests you take I should say the the greater the likelihood of failing at any one particular test, so or failing any of those tests. Yeah, it kind of um, lets so, you compress any boosts that you're going to put into right. uh, into a combat test into one action. And the good thing is, it's this card would be pretty horrible if it was like you have to spend action before you see what the result is. <laughs> yes. The nice thing is if you succeed, then you go, okay, I succeeded. Now I can spend those actions to do what I want. So the nice thing is like, say you throw all your boosts in, you succeed. And then at that point, you might as well just spend the rest of the actions. If you were going to spend those actions to keep fighting it anyway. So in that aspect, I do like that. It lets you, I mean, generally in Arkham, the fewer tests you take to do something, the better. <laughs> um, so that's the nice aspect to it. The So it's not a bad card. It's just tricky thinking about the investigators who want it. Yep. And I think the applicability of this card will go up as we continue to get other investigators' weapons and access to, to combat boosts or damage boosts. You know, there'll be a blind spot somewhere in there. <laughs> Like, say we get someone who's, what, Seeker Rogue or something like that. It's the Thinker. But it's here. You can take it whenever you want it. Especially if you're bored of your knife, as you probably should be. So, uh, I'm going to gather that Ian is uh, choking on his own lung at the moment. Um, you know, talking about the Seeker cards as a whole, and we'll sneak Kukri in here because why not? Rex is amazing. He's going to be the high bar for clue acquisition for a while. I mean, dear God. The rest of the secret cards themselves are kind of a mixed bag. As we mentioned, you know, Laboratory Assistant, her stock will probably go up as the game prolongs, but at the time she released, she was kind of underwhelming. Strange Solution, amazing in design, but doesn't actually do anything. Shortcut, yeah, it's it's cool. I think it's a, I think it's a better multiplayer card than any. Got flexible, a decent, decently flexible icon. You've got a lot of potential targets where playing this at an opportune time, good turn when someone's trying to move around and save an action. Great thing to have. Seeking answers, I yeah, I don't know if that's a bomb enough effect to warrant an event in anything other than truth. Because cool if you can cheese getting a clue off of of some location by sneaking around through connecting location but how often is it going to be that you're fine stopping that shenaniganry after one like for the most part if you're trying to do something like that you're going to want to do it more than once and that's a problem 
I think I survived. Oh, hey, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the water going down the wrong pipe. <laughs> I remember my first drink. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, yeah, I would I would agree that the Seeker cards uh, in general are not like on the super strong, but uh, it gives you Rex, which is kind of all that you need. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the overall thesis of this particular video. Again, they're not bad cards in general. There haven't been like a lot of stinkers in general release for this card game, which is good. Um, but there are definitely some that are more niche, uh, like Laboratory Assistant, definitely niche. Um, seeking Answers, Strain Solution is just a big question mark. Um, and Shortcut I do like a lot. That's my favorite for sure. I, I, I think overall, if you're using Rex, like we said, you don't need a, a, a ton of cards to make them working, so it's not a huge detriment that the cards in this particular box aren't the uh, the strongest for Seeker. Agree. I'm trying to think, like, Roland doesn't get a huge boost out of this either. I mentioned what he does with Laboratory Assistant. Roland's a little rough on Strange Solution because just randomly being able to succeed a, a, an Intellect 4 test is not something he Particularly well. I like shortcut in Roland because that around a monster is more. But anyway, so yeah, that's the secret cards. They're they're an up and comer. They didn't do a whole lot in this box for me, but pretty much everything they've gotten since has turned my head. Yeah, <laughs> we will definitely see the uh, mythos packs of this cycle. Uh, which I'm excited to get to. Yeah. So. Any final thoughts? Uh, nope. Just I would em <clears throat> excuse me. Emphasize again that Rex is kind of the uh, God the multiplayer sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> he is the multiplayer equivalent of uh, Ash Ashcan, and that maybe you have a newer player, a player who's not totally comfortable with the game yet. In multiplayer, you give them Rex and they will feel like they're contributing a lot because they will be. And also you'll conflate their ego and, and set an unrealistic <laughs> expectation for clue acquisition <laughs> for every investigator they ever play again. Thus ruining their lives. Oh man, when you game. when you Rex a location with a level 2 deduction, it just feels dirty. <laughs> yeah, Four that's a thing a nice long show. But it's really bad when you go back to playing someone else and and try going around investigating, and then you feel empty inside. <laughs> You're like, oh god, is there still clues on this location? What the <laughs> hell? What have I been doing? <laughs> doing with my life? Yep. All right. But I think I, I think uh, higher difficulty levels for Rex. Um, you know, if you are one of those players, you're like, ah, Rex is making the game too easy. Uh, I think higher difficulty levels are not as kind to Rex because then it'll be harder to turn on the win by two. Agree. Well, thank you for joining this episode 11 of the Miskatonic AV Club. Something to look out for. Uh, obviously beyond our normal podcast and all the other things that I normally prop at the end of the episode, one thing we are instituting at our, our good friend Casey or Mr. Trench, if you prefer, at his suggestion, we are going to, uh, to establish a Mythos Busters hotline whereby you've got comments, questions, raging comments, or, or you just want to tell us we're stupid, any of the above, 
you can call this number, leave us a message on the audio version of the Miskatonic AV Club. So the podcast version. We will probably start, if, if this goes all according to plan, we will play some or all of those messages that we receive on air so that people can defend cards that we trashed or trash cards that we defended or just trash us. You know, it is the internet. We have to recognize that that's always a viable option. So look out for that. We will definitely let you know when we've got that number established at the voicemail, the voice mailbox established so you can call in and... Uh, let us know what you think. It'll be a cool way to drive some audience participation and get some other thoughts beside our, our I don't want to say we have a narrow view, but, you know, <laughs> not, not any, and not even five people with different perspectives can cover everything. So always be able to get Ag- some other thoughts. Beyond the Agnes colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, again, thank you for joining us on the Miskatonic AV Club, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you.